I get up, you know, I live in the woods, I get up, I drive to work, and I probably interact with no more than maybe eight people the, uh, whole, the whole day. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like on a bus, you know, or anything like that. So like you're said, not like, you're not like Ted Kaczynski. No, not quite. I'm not that bad. Yeah. You're just, not there yet. Just to segue into that. No, no, but poor Teddy, man. I cannot connect the dots on that. Uh, I suppose that's a good thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so, um, right. So welcome to the Futile Podcast. Tonight it's Jeff and it's Ian and we're just going to kind of shoot the shit and probably cover a bunch of stuff because it's been a while and I'm, we're trying to get this thing back up and running and people need stuff uh, in, this, in these trying times. Of course, I know. it'll be a different and- trying time by the time I finally get this posted, which is awesome. Right, you know, we'll be on to like uh, like Corona twenty two or something by the time. <laughs> you stole my thunder. I was about to I was about to poo poo how long it takes you to edit. And I'll say like, hey, this winter, uh, this will be a reflection of the time. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I, I'm I'm going to try to be a little better about that. Now that all the technical stuff is mostly behind me. I hope you know. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah, right. So you you watch this uh, Netflix uh, four part. A Unabomber in his own words, uh, Ted Kaczynski documentary, and you said it was pretty good, so I figured I'd check it out. I was a little skeptical thinking it was going to – I just didn't want – I like docs about people that are, like, cool and creative for the most part um, because, like, that's sort of inspirational and kind of, like, mellow, you know? Like, I can't just watch prestige TV that's depressing all the time or, you know, stuff that's intense all the time. Sometimes it's nice just to watch a story about – Someone who, I don't know, does something cool. But um, So that's most of the documentaries I'm usually biased towards. But I thought, I'll check this out and see if it's got kind of an interesting... I mean, you got pretty good taste. I'd, I'd see if it's got kind of an interesting take. And it kind of does. It's um, but, it, but I don't know. I feel like... Maybe I'll let you take the lead on this. But the only thing I would say is, at least getting into it and getting it started, is... Like a lot of Netflix stuff, I think this probably didn't need to be four parts. It didn't need to be extended out as long as it was. And I feel like there was some some like structuring issues that sort of, for lack of a better term, sort of tried to tease out or create kind of some false mystery. And then it kind of got a little... Um, muddled with its messaging i think in this in the, certainly in the third part when it got more into the earth first stuff and then a little bit into the fourth as well so that's kind of my my hot take on the on the ted yeah. kaczynski thing well did you first first question did you finish it or oh yeah no, i finished it oh i finished it i i watched okay. i i was pretty into it from the first episode because it was kind of i mean you know t- typical talking head stuff with you know like footage of whatever they had you know pictures and and then the the tapes of him talking too just kind of relaying things and i mean you know like you can kind of establish like the origin story if you will a, a bit <clears throat> yeah when it get in when it got into like the harvard uh psycho- psychological uh department like studies or whatever that he went into right. and they play it play up that angle and I guess that was the last episode, right? Or whatever. Yeah, they, they uh, that, saved. That's that. where it kind of it kind of went off. Like I, I think for the record, like I don't think I loved the documentary. I just think it, it's a very interesting story with a lot of detail, and I just like all that procedural type crap. I like hearing special agent so and so talk about the minute details of how they followed like one lead, and that kind of stuff interests me. I don't think Ted Kaczynski is really um, – I think his story is kind of um, compelling in terms of, like, how intelligent that guy is and how 
he crafted this whole like plan and how long he did it and how long he got away with it. And I actually didn't realize that it like started in the seventies, right? Uh, like after like like he basically like became a professor or whatever at Berkeley to like make enough money to be self-sufficient or whatever. And he like bought that land out in the middle of nowhere and just started this, you know, learning how to <laughs> enact his revenge plan. So, right. I don't know. I don't think it was the greatest doc as far as like putting together the story, but there, I think it overcomes that just by how much information they had, how much interviews they had people like access to his neighbors and from their angle and stuff. Um, I thought that made it for a very interesting watch. Whether or not that it's a great doc, I think, is a little different of a statement. When you actually said, like, let's talk about Teddy, I was kind of hoping you had seen the Ted Bundy uh, doc. Which, <laughs> I have. In my, opinion, in my opinion, is the one um, with the perspective of his girlfriend is a very good doc. Uh, same sort of components of, like, they had access to... You know the the girlfriend, uh, tons of friends, family, um, uh, the daughter that he kind of pseudo raised. Like that, that that is a well put documentary. Between all that stuff I was mentioning earlier, like special agents, like detailing like how they made a case against him, like back in the seventies before the internet, when they had to like, you know pinpoint his location at a certain time and they did that manually through meticulously like raiding his department and like getting gas station receipts where he stopped and got gas and it's time stamped and stuff and like it's weird you forget about how easy things are now right um this is, you're talking about the, Bu- the bundy one now you kind of yeah. drifted into that right yeah okay. yeah i'm sorry i'm no that's I'm that's fine but j- j- just so i can clarify though so Netflix did a whole bunch of Bundy stuff, and then you're probably talking about the more recent one that they just I'm did t- on Amazon, right? Exactly. The one okay. on Prime, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's I'm- really kind of an interesting angle. It's not as much about him. It's more about, like, all the people that he touched and... Right. I could uh, see that being all, interesting. All his stuff. I think it's called, uh, uh, shoot, Bundy... Falling for yeah, it's it's just falling for Bundy or a bit a bit like much with with all the Bundy stuff. I'm, I I feel like I kind of blew my Bundy load with the Netflix doc that I watched. I think that was a series too, or like a four episode thing. I watched that one too, but it is it is not half as interesting as yeah. I bet the, the whole because it. I don't know if it had a female director, but it's definitely slanted towards like femin feminism, the feminist movement in the. 70s. Okay. You know, progressing from l- the late 60s into like, you know, 79 or whatever, whenever he got busted. And it's just kind of an interesting take that I wasn't expecting in terms of like all the women uh, who survived or were potential, were almost victims, like uh, one survivor that got away from him. Uh, the female, like Clarice Starling, uh, right. position with the. I can't remember who she was. She was like a local police lady and then uh, became, you know, one of the first FBI special agents. Like that's where, I, you know, 
it, it's an interesting angle because it takes that feminist angle because all of Bundy's victims were female. Well, right, yeah. Now, Ted Kaczynski, he, all his victims were scattered all over the place, so they're kind of... That was making it hard for them to right. kind of figure out what made him tick. Well, they never did, I don't think. I, I no, still don't get it. Not really, yeah. After having, like I said, I think, but getting back to the Kaczynski one just, just for a bit, and we don't have to belabor it too much... I think you're right. Um, I liked some of the procedural stuff, but of course I would have wanted either more of a procedural because they didn't get, they got into some of it. And you're right. They had great access and they're reading the, 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 the things, but they bounced back and forth both on that and with the interviews of like the neighbors and stuff. And so the narrative they end up creating is just, I found it ultimately kind of even more confusing in terms of trying to get a sense of what, where this guy was at and what he was doing. Cause you're right. He's, he goes to the woods. He wants to be left alone. Um, he starts blowing people up. He's mad that he bu- went out to live in the woods, and then his neighbor owns a sawmill. So, like, ha- bad luck there. If his neighbor didn't own a sawmill, would he just have left everybody alone and been peaceful out in the woods? You hear that he does this, quote-unquote, monkey wrenching to his, na- <laughs> to, to his neighbor's sawmill, pouring sand at it and stuff. And, and you hear that, like... Like later on, like they're reading parts of his diary where, you know, like they've actually got the the woman that that was one of his neighbors reading it like from him talking about how he was going to maybe shoot her and her daughter and stuff. And then the next episode, they're talking about how he would help the the guy at the sawmill like and do like he was really good at math. And when he would help around the house. So it's like I'm like so confused about like, so wait a minute, you were scared of this guy, but you also like he also worked for you sometimes. And like, how did this play out? Like, it's just it's that was confusing to me. Like, and then, of course, the Harvard experiment stuff, they decide to sort of hold off on until the end, almost to kind of do like, like, I guess because it's Netflix or something, they have to do a little bit of their advocacy journalism, you know, social justice, you know, d- system reform stuff or, or something there and kind of kind of try to blame, you know, the U.S. for torturing people or something, you know? Yeah. And they also had like the all that access to his brother and like how hard it was for that him. That was good. To, and sister-in-law or whatever. So that kind of stuff was what was really... That, that was the best part, I think. Tying, yeah, exactly. Tying it together. What that's like for them to you know make that call and just say, Hey, this manifesto that I just read, it sounds a lot like the, br- <laughs> the letters my crazy brother uh, writes. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, that part was interesting. I think I just... Like I said, because it, 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 it sort of cherry-picked to different things and then did them in different ways. From, from your opinion, and like I said, I'm coming from a place of relative ignorance about a lot of this stuff. And they didn't have access to, to, to a bunch of this Harvard study. But in the tapes that they played, and then they start playing it up like, this really could have broken him down. And this was a form of, like, enhanced interrogation and essentially was torture. And it's like... All it sounds like the guy did was just like was kind of a dick to him. He's like, well, yeah. it seems like your point was kind of asinine. And it's like I get how like that could offset somebody and discourage them and everything else. But it's like you know, like join a Twitter chat group, and I mean, you're going to get more enhanced interrogation techniques <laughs> than, than than just you know one 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 guy with his brill cream hairdo, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think I didn't get that that was that big a deal. And then just to kind of try to put put a pin in it, they real offhandishly mentioned this uh, th- this diagnosis of schizophrenia with him. So he's seventeen, starting Harvard, 
and that's about the time you know when people are under real stress when they start college is about the time when those things if you're going to be schizophrenic it's going to kind of happen so yeah it probably didn't help that he was going to this that he was having these things but they really don't get into that aspect of him instead they almost kind of push even with the warden of the supermax the former warden of the supermax prison push this idea that like well you know his manifesto makes a lot of sense and that's what we're doing right now i mean he didn't need to kill people that's the tricky part that's the crazy part but it's kind of like i mean not to undermine aspects of you know his his sort of what i think are fairly asinine statements about like oh technology cogs and the wheels it's like i get it yeah but it doesn't have to be that way and how does blowing up random people amount to anything you know like oh it gets our attention eventually i mean yeah i I don't know it just it just it, it didn't i mean i guess it left me with more questions in some ways than i already had yeah, I mean that that's another thing that I kind of found interesting is that he really didn't kill that many people. I think it was just like 3 people were like actually died because of his bombs and maimed like maybe maybe a dozen. But there were so many bombs that uh either blew up and didn't hurt anyone or were found and, you know, basically didn't uh didn't do what he wanted them to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get okay, he's trying to undermine the system whatever. Um, but then you get, you know, that he's not doing anything for a couple of years. And so what's going on there? Like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it, I either would have wanted more of a character study and, and maybe in a more somewhat more linear, linear uh, fashion or more of a procedural. I think it is better at being a procedural than it is at being a character study. And like I said, that's probably that sounds like that's really what you latched onto about it. And that's kind of what got me going with it in the first couple episodes. But then I did start to get kind of like, okay, like so this guy likes like wants to just take it easy and live in the woods, but what is his connection to, you know, like and then you get so he says he's going to stop blowing people up once they publish the manifesto. But then they right. find, they find another bomb ready to go. Uh, you know, like, I don't remember how, what the time frame was. The manifesto was published, and then I don't remember how long it was after they picked him up. You could argue that he built that just in case they didn't. But, I mean, you get the sense, like, this guy's going to just keep doing this shit. I got the sense that if he hadn't published that manifesto, he would have lasted another 10 years doing that kind of stuff. It's possible. Um, I mean, but you're, you're also getting greater technology, you know, his enemy... Uh, being developed and and so you you would have you would start to have more to draw from but you're right i mean at the end of the day he talks about how inept the fbi is and stuff but he's he's always working on this sort of um perverse premise that like the fbi exists because you know to deal with people like him that need to exist or you know what i mean like it's like you know it's actually very easy to do bad stuff in a random way and probably get away with it for the most part. You don't have to be even all that intelligent. You just have to, you know, think a little bit about how to, you know, do this or do that. Or you're in the woods and then you drive two hours away and you don't get seen and you don't do this. And so it's it's kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, it's very hard to keep track of stuff. I mean, all the killers that get caught usually get caught because they're sloppy and they can't help themselves. And he's the same. Like you said, if he hadn't published the manifesto, he probably would would have lasted quite a bit longer. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's like, you know, you touched on, like, the people that he chose uh, to be the, you know, so-called victims or whatever. Like, the fact that he just did a, like, a, such a scatterbrained approach to his targets uh, also made it so much harder to, like, figure out, like, 
what is this guy's purpose? Exactly. Like, having something as broad as just saying technology is the enemy. <laughs> right. And and then like targeting all these like scientists and stuff. And I was just like, he's just blowing up their interns. It's yeah. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I was like, for as smart as he was, I feel like his targets were so stupid. Um, I, I'm conflicted in whether he's a genius or a moron. Well, I mean, you know, I think that there's a diff- there's all kinds of intelligence, and I don't know that he's probably all that actually intelligent, to be honest. I mean, yeah, you you put somebody in a in a in a room and they read their philosophy books and they do whatever, but it all sounds like a lot of. And I didn't read the manifesto. I don't give a shit. But I mean, it's it's a it's a lot of pretty simple, you know, like freshman philosophy one hundred and one type stuff about like anti technology, anti systems. Like we get it that industrialization turns people into part of the machine and is dehumanizing and blah 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 blah. But there's two sides to that too, you know. Like look at what you can do with modern medicine, and you know, like it, it doesn't all have to be that way. And look at how like even for as much as they can be insufferable, a lot of the millennials have haven't so much turned their back on technology as they've they've embraced sort of a DIY mentality to uh you know to a lot of aspects of their life uh, in terms of liking to make things themselves and stuff like that. So I I mean I feel like a really intelligent person who isn't disturbed is going to arrive arrive you know arrive, arrive at like a uh, you you always have to kind of arrive at a more metered sensibility to these things i mean yeah there's being a revolutionary and all that and they can get into that kind of superficially in this um which i i don't know i feel like maybe they should have just not bothered with that aspect of it like cuz it it's sort of uh underserves the earth first movements and stuff um uh, to a degree um but you know paint painting them a certain way um which is probably not fair to them. <laughs> I mean, yes, there there are eco terrorists as well, but then there's just and so I don't know that 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 was a little like, gee, let's not you know connect these things that way. Yeah, but I I just I feel like it's just like to me it's still just the I think the reason why with a lot of these things why they're fascinating. But my mom likes a lot of like everyone's mom likes a lot of these true crime things. At a certain point, I think for her, she's definitely all about the procedural aspects. She's about like the investigation and figuring that stuff out, and she is almost never, ever, ever interested in in the character, the psychology, or anything. Because, and let's be honest here, and they downplay it in this documentary when they mention the schizophrenia stuff like twice in passing. Like usually, these people are just fucking crazy. There's no like you shrug. You're just like, well, they yeah. at one point decided that they were going to do this and this and this. And yeah, you can have a bunch of psychologists talk about, oh, well, when they were a child, this must might have affected them that way. And that stuff is interesting to me. Like characterization is interesting to me. But a lot of times it does kind of just come down to shrug. You know, like I mean, think about in an ironic way with with Ted's situation. Think about like if he had come around in this day and age when technology was at a certain point where you could be removed from the system, but still kind of be entertained by it. If you know, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. like w- would he have been like bored enough to go build bombs or would he have just lived out in his cabin and, you know, watched YouTube videos his whole life? I don't, I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, he would have had to use YouTube to figure out better ways to exactly. know, fix, fix his battery problem with those bombs. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like if he had been more successful in 
executing some of those things. Like if if that one bomb that was on that plane right. had gone off, like that, I, I feel like it would have been a much bigger or different story. Um, oh, absolutely. But when, when you hear all those near miss stories, it's just like, wow, this guy, you know. Wow, his <laughs> he did have great scope, but when you really look at his, you know, batting average, you know, it wasn't great. Right? Yeah, it, it just—I mean—it sowed the seeds of terror, which I guess is, was the point, and then got people paying attention so that that way he could publish his manifesto, his you know, philosophy one hundred and one freshman navel gaze. Oh man, I don't like the technology like makes us less human. It's like. Well, well, I mean, he's 16 years old. He may be brilliant enough to be, you know, uh, getting a full ride to Harvard at 16, but that doesn't mean, you know, right? Yeah, the the maturity factor in based on just his limited age uh, can handle all that stuff. You get a 16 year old, not even considered a adult, uh, right. signing up for all that uh, weird stuff. Uh, as far as clinical trials, he went into like you know it's just kind of a maturity thing of like absolutely yeah was 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 he formed right no and 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 then like i said the schizophrenia angle like if that's a legit thing that kind of undermines almost every other aspect of it because it's just like oh okay he was just crazy and so you know he had this mental illness um and i feel like they downplay that only because that's more often than not, once you get to the the basis of this fascination with these people, it usually comes down to, oh, yeah, right, they were just... So, like you said, it's more interesting either to follow the procedural or to follow the people that had to deal with this, uh, interacted with this, the brother in this case, or like you said, I haven't seen it, but in this other Ted Bundy documentary, that you know, the people he lived with and people that were friends with him or knew him, you know? That oh, is, yeah. That is an interesting character side because then, then you get a sense of... I think a greater scope of kind of how we're all on different spectrums of whatever and, you know, the friends we do put up with and how much we will put up with something from somebody and, you know, whether they're a brother or whether they're a, you know, a friend or a lover or whatever. Oh, yeah. The Falling for a Killer doc is like it's crazy in terms of like how someone just functions, uh, you know, <laughs> in a second life kind of thing like there's and this isn't spoiler but like there's i well, think I've there's seen the other one so i have a pretty good sense of that whole narrative yeah he did have a girlfriend and he did kind of half raise this her daughter and but was going out and doing this other shit too so oh you know. he was he was he was multitasking it all and nobody was the wiser like he abducted like two girls in the same day took them out in the woods and murdered both of them and then <laughs> basically slid back in to his house and went out for pizza with his girlfriend and her like young daughter. And nobody was really the wiser. Like there's little tiny clues, but nothing that would tick you off to the fact that this guy just murdered, abducted and murdered two people. Like it's crazy. And his, and I think another thing that's the kind of common theme between these, the two Ted's um, is like, they lasted a long time. Like, they he was out there for i think bundy would, he got around for like 10 years maybe yeah um, and he was sloppy based on this other documentary i got a sense that like there was cases of like people just like women well, they, just getting out of the car or on the road or whatever you know what yeah. i mean like, getting away and it was I, I remember that was the frustrating thing to me watching that one was like 
he was sloppy, and yet they still couldn't put things together a couple of times. And then when he escapes, that was kind of he escaped. Did he escape twice? Like they he had him, and he like that, literally, like yeah. a, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean they had him in some little like he was in like some mountain town, like right. Vail or one of those ski resort kind of towns, and like in their little facility, and he just like removed the light fixture from the ceiling and just crawled out, and just and then another one he just jumped out of a window of a two story right cor- courthouse or something. But yeah, like I mean, uh, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is I don't know. It's just really, really interesting. Yeah, um, and it's just it's kind of like a a sad story, but also just like an amazing. Like I can't believe this happened. And yeah, I mean, there's he was sloppy, but like this is pre internet, pre DNA right. testing, and pre all all that all that kind of technology that Kaczynski would hate. Uh, are the are the reason we don't have as many cases of killers who can like kill you know thirty to forty p- people, you know serial killers can't make streaks that long nowadays because of that sort of technology. So it's kind of um, an interesting through line to both these both these TED docs of like how you know whatever crime defense tactics or whatever uh are minimizing that like half that stuff there's no way they could get away with today so well yeah well you've also got just like in in urban areas and stuff and cities and things you've got all the cameras and everything else i mean like you know everything is kind of being tracked and monitored and data monitored and and everything else so yeah it's i guess uh i guess that's a good thing (laughs) yeah crazy but yeah um I don't know. It, it's weird. Like when you asked me, like, what should we talk about? And I was just like, I don't know. I've been watching a bunch of morbid stuff. Yeah. I, I like re I like rewatched like both seasons of Mindhunter. And then I got into that Bundy doc and I, I just kind of marathoned it. It was very yeah easy to digest and just cycle through. I was just like, I, I think I just, I stayed up like till like one in the morning. Cause I just wanted to finish it. I was just, cause it was so good. I just didn't want to wait, but the Kaczynski one was more of a, elliptical machine watch oh sure yeah still good um but i don't know it's been lots of lots of content out there i actually tried to start uh an osama bin laden one but uh just i don't know some of them are just it feels like something that just would have been on nbc or whatever it's not really a well put together documentary or i wouldn't even call it a documentary but i kind of faded on that one and just quit but i don't know i'm always on the hunt for some compelling crime doc uh well that's good to know when you you recommend one to me i'll know it's worth actually checking out so yeah (laughs) yeah i'll scoop you i'll scoop your mom uh on what's what's hot right now cool did you ever see uh the uh the the weird kind of guy in wisconsin uh stephen avery i can't remember the name of that doc no i'm a i'm a kill it was on netflix there was two seasons of it that's an interesting one. Oh, the mind of the... Was that the one where it was about oh, the, yeah. the, the cops setting somebody up or something like that? Yes, yes. Like, he went to prison for it and then got out. And then, you know, they, I mean, allegedly, like, tried to frame him again or something. So oh that one gosh. is very... Uh, yeah, it's something... Mind of a Killer or something like that. I don't know. That one was very kind of... Uh, in the same way that... Uh, the Bundy one got me. I feel like that one kind of got me. That was a couple years old, though. Right, yeah. And that's the, coming the, from a different sort of place, though, right? That was the mind of a murderer. That was more the, of a... 
like social justice reform type deal because it was yeah. more, more about like oh corrupt cops and and stuff. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I would say uh, the staircase too. If you ever saw that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the staircase, and then there's the um, oh, the West of Memphis Three stuff that kind of carries on. You know, so those are the yeah, pretty pretty well known ones, I guess. Like oh, I said, yeah. I, I have times when I'm interested in that stuff, and times when I'm kind of less interested, and I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it depends. Yeah, I, it was just weird. Like, I was thinking, like, as I was watching that Bundy doc, watching the Kaczynski doc, like, around the late 70s, it's weird. I was just like, I was like, I was born, like, right when... Yep. Because the Bundy doc is, like, down to the date, like, specific dates of everything. The way they tell, like, an eight-part documentary series uh, it is extremely detailed. And it's down, and I was just like, wow, I was... Um, you know, I would be born like, um, like a month later or whatever. Yeah. Uh, after Bundy does the infamous like Florida State sorority thing, and I was just like, wow, it's crazy. And I just all the photos and stuff that I mentioned that I assume they got from the girlfriend, like of the late seventies, of the mid seventies. It's just like I've seen so many photos that look exactly like that of like my parents and my family and my mom's. Um, my mom's, you know, extended family. So I don't know, it just kind of felt very real. And I was just like, wow, it kind of put me in, in, in that point in time. I'm just like, man, I was, I was born right about here. And here's what was happening in the world. It's a way to kind of historically contextualize with a bit of, um, I guess a, a, a pinch of nostalgia in some way, huh? Yeah, yeah. Not the word I would use, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm being a bit facetious, I think. But <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, you talk about the photographs and like the com- a common connection of. Well, okay, and just know. the dress, the right, style yeah. of sunglasses all over. The, like it's like just down to that le- le- that that sign of the times. So, but yeah. I don't know. Nothing but a bunch of weird docs for me. I haven't been watching as many movies probably because of... Right, um, yeah. That's because what happens. Of, I mean, that's a lot of content uh, in an episodic format to uh, avoid, uh, you know, hour and a half, two hour movies. So, yeah. been watching less. So, and my letterbox, I'm sure, uh, indicates that. But what else have you been watching? Well, let's see. I, I've been watching... I kind of went all over the place. I... I watched uh, I watched the Lethal Weapon movies. I watched the Indiana Jones movies. I watched uh, I'm watching the Christopher Nolan movies in in order, which means I'm you know watching Batman Begins and then Prestige and then Bat- Dark Knight and then I'm gonna watch Inception tonight. We could talk Triple Frontier. I just watched oh, that yeah. recently. That Netflix movie. That's that's kind of interesting. It feels I've heard people poo pooing it, but like I think that's kind of a sweet spot for some people uh like the streaming video on demand vod trash so to speak action right. genre that's done I'll, I'll call it competently like that sure. and i don't know did you ever see hunter killer it's a sub no. it's a submarine movie with uh gary oldman and uh gerard butler very in the same vein of Right. Tri- yeah, triple I, Frontier. You see some, like, legit tactics of, like, you know, it's not like a Steven Seagal tactics right, yeah. kind of, like, <laughs> uh, force, but, like, a decent little story, self-enclosed, and 
you know, done pretty well as far as action goes, but definitely also not marketable, not ready for a theater. But I, I kind of liked Triple Frontier, and I, and I liked Hunter Killer. I don't know if that's just me and... <laughs> I no, like that, any I like any movie about submarines and well, submarine fine. warfare. It's yeah, pretty no, those, cool. Those are good. Yeah, um, but if if you liked Triple Frontier, I'd recommend. I think Hunter Killer is kind of in that same vein of like some legit actors doing VOD trash that is worth a watch. Right. Yeah. I think <clears throat> it's it's tough for me because, um, like I I like aspects of those things. Like you said, you get legit actors. And Triple Frontier has some legit actors, and they're 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 doing doing their all, and um, you're kind of trying to figure out what kind of movie it is because it's a bit bit of a heist movie, it's a bit of a crime movie too. Yeah, it's it's kind of got this action war thing, but it's got some serious stuff it's trying to infuse there. So for me, I think it ends up being one of these cases of maybe it's trying to do too many things. It's trying to be a little too serious, and maybe not as much of a dark crime type deal as it sh- I mean I don't know it's it, it, the, the, maybe why it's VOD as you would say because um, why not why not because it's Netflix is that there's um, kind of and the good thing about it is that it kind of allows creators or whatever to be less uh, maybe less stringent and second guessing about like genre combinations uh, you know, like they're like, oh well, maybe this movie would play better if it was a little bit more fun, as opposed to now we're going to talk about like how, you know, these you know guys are are vets and you know they don't have any money and yeah, and like like that and, and explain I, I, Ben it, Affleck's like motivation. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, where it, that's where it's a little too serious. Well, right. Well, and and that would be fine if that was what the movie was really going to go for. But then I feel like it kind of underserves and is a little bit. Um, like I said, I, I don't know. You get all these actors, you know, playing it up, and it kind of it kind of takes a superficial aspect to, to that. Which, like I said, maybe it's better to have a little bit of that just for motivation. But then it's kind of, it, I don't know. Like I hate to be the one that seems like I'm, you know, being a little too sensitive about certain things. But like that's those are legit concerns for actual people who served and stuff. And then and then you they watch an action movie where these guys you know go off and you know rob a uh, drug a, dealer. Drug, a drug yeah. dealer and then where the movie goes from there and becomes kind of more like a heist movie and there's bits of kind of acrimony between them and and stuff like it 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 kind of goes back and forth there and it's sort of like gee I feel like if it had, it should have probably had less of that uh, stuff only because it kind of tries to legitimize their actions a bit. And I feel like that underserves people who legitimately like like served and have come back and are like trying to make their life work. <laughs> and and it's kind of like, well, I'm not robbing banks and doing stuff like that. Like I mean, like this and these these Hollywood assholes are doing this movie where they're kind of using that as an excuse to add character depth for for them. But I mean, just be a dumb action movie. Like say, yeah, they're ex-military guys, but. And they need the money or something, you know. But but the little moments of like, you know, yeah, no, I don't think I've slept very well in a while and stuff. Or use it more to kind of establish um, some elements of uh, like degradation throughout the story, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> it kind of just plays all these things. 
in certain ways that um, that kind of bugged me. But I mean, I ended up enjoying it for the most part because I think you'll, you'll agree, like that 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 like last third when it's basically like sorcerer or something, and it's like yeah. jungle. They have to transport something, and it's about problem solving within that. Um, and and they've become kind of like like that. Once it becomes like a heist that starts to go wrong, it kind of won me back a little bit more because mm-hmm. I was having problems with like how sloppy and how rushed they were do, doing their you know wet work on that location uh, in terms of like how they were going to take down this big um, you know drug dealer and stuff. It just seemed like that all happened very kind of like I said sloppy and easy, and it didn't establish like well if these guys are real professionals like. I, I mean, they're just kind of running and gunning and doing this, and then of course when it starts to fall apart, you're like, okay, well now that's make that's 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 good that it is falling apart because it's going to become that kind of heist movie where things fall apart and they get greedy and um, and things go wrong and the helicopter explodes on them and all that, and you're kind of like you want them to get away, but you're also engaged by you know will they, will they make it over the Andes? Um, and so stuff like that did work for me. So I think like the middle and the, the the last half for the most part did. But then spoiler alert, one of the characters dies, and that kind of adds a certain kind of under like moment of seriousness. And you almost feel like maybe more of them should have died, or it should have been. <laughs> I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a spoiler. I don't think right. it's a spoiler if you if you don't say which one of them dies. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's a spoiler that to say that one of them dies. In terms of the story, like, either they all make it out and they... Ben Affleck dies, everyone. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and so it's... But then at that point, you establish, okay, like... They, he killed a kid or something. Or was yeah, it an right. old man? Who did... I don't know. He, he shot somebody he probably shouldn't have, and he paid the price. Uh, right, yeah, but but there was a lot of that going around for those guys, and so it almost feels to me like, it, like I said, it could have gone into the darker, you know, crime heist stuff where like none of them get away, and it's just like yeah, like you know, like that might have been pretty much or, like only one yeah, of them exact, makes it out. Exactly, or exactly. I feel like that <clears> might have been a better angle. Instead, they kind of kind of chicken out. They like, they kill one of them, and then the rest kind of have to sort of just deal with it and carry on, and then. I I mean I don't know like I said it kind of left me it was like a, it was it was a it was a it was a good it was, it was a good fun movie when it was good and fun well but when you mentioned the, not to... when you mentioned the problem solving stuff I think that's another thing that probably makes me feel that Hunter Killer is kind of similar because it's it it's not like a simple story it's like a global like there you know there's a coup going on and all this oh, wow. kind of government stuff between the U S and Russia and who knows what and how are they going to prove it and prove it in time so that X doesn't happen. Uh, so it's like a much bigger scale story, but it's the same kind of stuff. Like, how is this submarine captain going to solve these problems right. with, what he, with what's in his control? What's his power? How is he going to, you know... Well, I guess I can't say too much. Well, no, sure. Le- no, le- le- legit spoilers, but it shares a lot of those things. And this is a Netflix show? Or Netflix movie? I don't even know where it went out. Um, okay. I, I got it on 4K for 10 bucks on Black nice. Friday. And I was just like, I was like, Gary Oldman, Ger- Gerard Butler, uh, a submarine captain movie. And um, I, I, I think I watched a trailer for it. And I was like, all right, that looks competent enough. It yeah, doesn't see, look I- like CG garbage kind of stuff. 
but um, yeah, it was it was well done. I endorse it, but I don't know. A lot of a lot of people hated uh, Triple well, Frontier, mean, so maybe it's not for everyone. But it was certainly for me. Yeah, I can see a lot of reasons for people to have ambivalence. But I'm not usually like this, but. With, with Gerard Butler, I think because of uh, law-abiding citizen in those uh, White House Down movies, I kind of feel like <laughs> feel like he's one an actor I would have to kind of g- get over. And of course, the Three Hundred, right? Um, kind of have to get over some of his aspects. I think you mean Olymp- really... Olymp- Olympus has fallen. You got the wrong White oh, right, House yeah. siege movie. Right. You got right. you just dropped the Channing Tatum one. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the Olympus has fallen. London has fallen. Whatever yeah. else has fallen. Um, Angel. Yeah. So. So I mean, I think the Gary Oldman stuff would probably be why I would check it out. But who oh. knows? And, and the submarine stuff. And like I said, I, I'm sure I'm sure Gerard Butler can do a de- an actual kind of like more dramatic, less insane styled uh, he has, performance. He has, if he needs, he to. has the same sort of moral compass that I think Denzel had as the EXO in Crimson Tide. Yes. So it's like. You know, it's not like I'm sure some people would call it jangoistic or whatever, and it's not a whole bunch of like patriot bullshit. Right. But um, there's definitely parts of that. But you kind of have to with a story like that. Oh sure, like, yeah. Hey, no. I, I'm the captain of a nuclear submarine, and I'm trying to stop nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. But it's a story. I don't know. It, it's it's novel enough. It it isn't uh, you know stealing a bunch of crap you've already seen. But it's playing with a lot of those tools you've seen played with in different ways. Oh well, that's that's interesting. Then yeah, like you said, it's like it's not just like a like a like a cheap knockoff of Crimson Tide. It's it's doing other stuff. It's not like Das Boot and Crimson Tide. No, it, together it has it has elements of that in the of submarine course, in the submarine, submarine warfare genre, yeah, because yeah. you can't like yeah right. I mean you absolutely can't, you can't show like you know what's going on on the Russian sub and then what's going on in the, the U.S. sub. It's that's a that's very hard to do. I feel like. Yeah, like it, it's kind of more interesting when in Crimson Tide you never see anything from any of the Russian subs. You, you, I think you see, yeah, you see, uh, you know, from the exterior underwater, you see what they're doing, but you never like see what the other crew is doing or whatever. It's not like right. hunt, hunt from Red October. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's different kind of aspects to it then. Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds cool and nifty. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I- Interesting note. I remember uh, watching the special features on Hunt for Red October, how they kind of solved that problem for, like, I don't remember what's, which ship am I on? Which one am I looking at with which, you know, crew members or whatever? And uh, I think I, I, was it Jean DeBont or whoever, uh, whoever the cinematographer was, they would have, like, the lights on the bridge of Red October's was red. <laughs> and, and the one on uh, Scott Glenn's uh, ship was blue, and then the other Russian, Stellan Stars Skarsgård, I think was green or something, so that you kind of call attention to each one's unique, and because when they're going back and forth in a battle, you can kind of pick up on that stuff, not even knowing it. Right? Yeah, that that's clever and smart. Like one of the things I hate is um, title cards. And yes. when you can when you can be intelligent about establishing locations and you know through cinematography or through uh lo- just the location themselves that, that's great like like i said just just to to get into it real quick but 
um, I, when I watched uh, Christopher Nolan's first movie, uh, Following, uh, that's, of course, similar to Memento and kind of a trope he uses quite often in terms of going back and forth on the narrative structure, you know, <clears throat> taking doing scenes out of out of sequence and stuff with uh, out of chronological order. There's no title cards or anything, and the, the way that he, I mean, you, so you're always a bit maybe confused at the beginning, but he, like, kind of uses that as part of the mystery, but not in a way that feels super, like, hokey and, 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 and you know, it's just probably just a, a matter of, like I said, it comes down to execution, and it comes down to kind of understanding how to do things the right way and not like, oh, like, you know, like a J.J. Abrams, I'm going to create a false sense of action by starting in the middle and then, you know, right. that's gonna, and get, you know, it's like, OK, you know, it's like I'm going to create a sense of a mystery here, but I'm going to you're going to be figuring it out while I lay it out. And I'm, if I do it in the right way, if I execute it properly, then you won't feel indignant about it. It won't be like that wasn't a mystery. That was just you telling me part three instead of part one and two. Um did you include Memento in your Nolan yeah. ben- Bender? Yeah, my friend and I were watching Following, and then we just watched Memento right after it. So it was kind of an interesting comparison t- in terms of some of the techniques and stuff. That's crazy. That's that's kind of another clever way how, I mean, the Memento, like if you're whiteboarding the timeline of that or whatever, it's crazy how much thought, uh, similar to that lighting example I just gave. Right. Like I think Nolan does... Uh, what do they do? It's like part the parts that are in bl- that are in black and white are uh, they're chronological, but also right. telling the story about uh, the other guy. Yeah, that's that's subtle and very well effect- very effective. Well, it also plays as like kind of just like a flashback or like a weird little aside narrative that's. Um, probably better than if they had like voiceover directly i mean essentially it's just exposition but it's sort of mystery exposition too because he's like talking on the phone and he's you're not sure who he's talking to and you're not quite sure he's telling a story more so than just giving you information he's giving you information but he's doing it by telling a story in a conversational way yeah so that's great there but but just to kind of hit on the thing with like the lights and hunt for Rod october so <clears throat> he shot following black and white because he had no money and everything else but there's this bar and um, the great thing about it is that this bar has this really distinct door with all of these, like, circles built into it. You know, it's like a big, heavy, like, cool bar d- front door. Uh-huh. I, 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 so I pointed it out to my friend, you know, because he's kind of a movie guy, too. And I'm like, that's so great because, like, when you're picking locations out, you don't – and you're going to tell a story you know is going to be kind of out of order and out of sequence rather than trying to, like, you know, cheaply establish locations through title cards or something – you do it through like a distinct and memorable visual, you know, like, 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 like the door. And so like, okay, he's back at that bar now. He's not just at some bar and who knows what it's that same place that he was at earlier or in that other scene. Cause I remember that door. Right. And I think that's a much better way to tell stories. Obviously, you know, you're showing, you know, those things. Um, and so that's something I think Nolan does pretty well. I mean, I, my my thing with Nolan is that usually like when I if I have a really good first time watch with something, uh, I'm gonna start probably noticing things in second and thirds. Like I think both The Dark Knight and Inception have kind of gone down on rewatches a little bit, but like Prestige has gone up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's that's some that might be a Batman thing, or that might be a just overwatched thing. Like I feel like there's a point where something fades in your interest because you've just seen it and you know what's happening next. And that's yeah. nat- natu- well, that's natural sure. and it's kind of sucks. 
And that's why it's important not to, you know, not to rewatch stuff too often. Right. Yeah. Don't burn out. And I feel like I've been pretty good. I think it's been quite a few years since I've watched the Batman movie. So I, I'm pretty good about not burning myself out um, with the movies I like. Pretty good. I, I mean, maybe as I'm getting older, I'm getting more just like the comfort food of, you know, watching Last Crusade or something. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I was noticing some nitpicky stuff in The Dark Knight that was kind of sloppy. And I was like, ah. <laughs> oh well, but 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 I mean, obviously the good stuff is still really good and the you know compelling thing. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about Tenet. I think Nolan is interesting just because he tackle. It seems to me like he tackles like the hardest subject matter to like tell a story or make a movie or whatever out of whether it's you know rel- <laughs> relativity and Interstellar <laughs> and uh, you know dream space and right and yeah. inception like all those are such big ideas i'm just and like he, he so hard to, to do to graft a pretty a pretty decent story onto most of them or memory and yeah, yeah exactly I, I think he sticks the landing too that's why he I does he's they've all been good and some have been great and you know that's about it i think uh, yeah i don't i mean even insomnia as a remake and something he didn't write and everything is still a pretty well like he gets good performances from pacino and <clears throat> and williams and it I mean, being like a daytime noir, neo-noir, like, I mean, there's still some great visuals and stuff. So that one probably went up for me a little bit. I haven't seen anything about Tenet. I'm going to go in as cold as I can. Oh, good for you. Seriously going to try, because I don't know if we talked about it yet, but um, I saw one trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino movie. And it t- to me, it, within that one trailer, now, it, part of it's m- my, you know, I can't turn off the part of my brain that sort of starts making the movie in my head as I'm watching a trailer uh, to a degree. But um, there were two things in that trailer that, like, spoiler alert for, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that really did kind of spoil two moments in that movie for me. I mean, like, and it sounds kind of, I don't know, maybe asinine to talk about there being spoilers, and obviously the biggest quote You mean unquote, the, spo- the blowtorch? No. Or no, uh, flamethrower, I mean. No, no, I I don't even think that was in the one I saw. There might have been a quick second of that, like, and that's fine, that's action. But it was, it was, um, because, I mean, a Tarantino movie is usually about how these little scenes will play out and whether they'll be funny or whether they will be, you know, whatever. And in the context of the story, you got these two characters, right? You got Brad Pitt's character and you got DiCaprio's character. And um, so the, 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 the flashback with Bruce Lee for Brad Pitt plays a certain way if you don't know that like you know how that's gonna go but when you in the trailer they show him kind of going toe to toe with bruce lee for a minute so you're like okay you already kind of are prepared for how this fight's gonna be it's not gonna be that he just gets knocked on his ass immediately or who knows what like you already know so that was less like there was less i don't know not even necessarily tension but just less it was less exciting to me to, to sit there and watch that because I was kind of waiting for the part when that part from the trailer happened. Well, there's and, another to take it back to Nolan a bit. Like I feel like that's where he's smart. He's like Hitchcock, psycho smart in terms of like how his movies are marketed and how they're uh, you know released. He's very precious about that kind of stuff uh, in terms of like what he thinks ought to get out and ought to sell the thing. Right. I've, I've heard. I, I well, I don't know when, what's going to happen with Tenet in terms of this global pandemic right now. But uh, I think it got delayed. But he, 
didn't release trailers for it or something like uh except like unless you're in the movie theater um so it took a because he purposely was just like if it gets out it'll get out through being leaked it won't be because you know we're right. ma- making a whole campaign for it so i don't know i i think that that's signs of like somebody who understands like, Hey, this will be better if you don't know anything or know less going into it. And I appreciate appreciate that. I I feel like there's a way to do a good trailer, um, with, you know, that isn't quite so spoilery. And, but, but I mean, like I said, for me, I think it's just the way I, my brain works. It's going to either, I just am probably going to be off trailers for a while. Um, and then we'll see. But um, like I said, the other thing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the was the acting scene where it was like a big moment for DiCaprio's character. Oh right! And, and, and there's all this drama where he's like, you know, hungover and he's screwing up his lines and he's like, just like really discouraged and pissed off. And you kind of feel for him, but you kind of don't because you've already seen in the trailer that he nails it. That the girl comes up and says, "That's the best acting I've ever seen." You know, and he has this little tearful moment. So I'm sitting there watching him in the trailer, you know, throwing the beer bottle and getting mad at himself and being like, okay, I'm drawn into this drama for a minute and I care about this guy, but I already know he's going to nail it because the trailer shows that he does. Uh, I don't I don't think I saw either of those spoilers. See, that's the thing. I keep telling people about this. And I didn't they, see the Bruce Lee like, or that. Yeah, those were both in like the first trailer that's got the nah, huh. nah, 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 nah. I mean, it's, I mean, whatever. Um and so I was kind of like, well, that sucks. I mean, like, I didn't think watching a Tarantino movie, I thought I would get, like, excited for it and there'd be little bits. And that's mostly what that trailer was, was just little bits to excite you about, like, the setting the scene and the place and the location. And and I put those two moments <clears throat> just kind of undercut a couple, for me, undercut a couple bits in the scene. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I even if Nolan does a good t- trailer for Tenet, it might make me think, oh, this is an awesome espionage movie. And then when it's not that, it's more of a like character drama. I'm gonna have, tr- you know, I'm gonna have to reconcile that on like a rewatch, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know you've. I mean, you've covered this topic many times of how, uh, you know, trailers can throw you a curveball. I'm remembering you talking about um, where the wild things are and Absolutely, how how, yeah. how that can completely. Uh, <laughs> throw you into expecting something that it isn't so i don't know i won't for sake of that i won't tell you what i think the tenant uh because i did see the trailer uh, what i think it's all about i'll just say you know nolan knows what he's doing i think he's at that point in his career where i will watch and purchase anything he touches uh, (laughs) uh, directly or indirectly Oh wow! So all the DC stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is he is he off the DC stuff now? Oh yeah, I, I don't think Abrams he's in. Right? I don't think he's been on it since uh, Man of Steel. Um, I don't oh, think right, he's yeah. had anything to do with it since Man of Steel. Like that was kind of that producer uh, handoff right. or whatever. But but anyways, yeah. Um, President yeah. Trump, you don't want people getting together in hotels and clubs. Well, no shit. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good transition to Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You got the, that was the big vinegar syndrome purchase with all the vinegar syndrome physical media uh, heads. I did. Right. I know. I know. I, and I had actually already had it on my radar. One of my one of my vendors is a big, uh, he's kind of a physical media collector like me. So whenever I talk to him, it's like, he's, he's like 
definitely horror slanted. Um, okay, right. Yeah. And he's he's all about all those all those vinegar syndrome like never heard of maybe the box the box from <laughs> your childhood at the movie right. store uh, looks familiar kind of stuff. Like all those releases, like they don't really resonate for me. But when I read the synopsis of what Tammy and the T Rex like, <laughs> what it's about, I was just like, "All right, that that sold me. I need to see this." So <laughs> yeah. But I know you and I both watched that. You want to go ahead and tell me your thoughts? I, it looked like from your rating, you didn't enjoy it. I, I I don't know how much I was expecting I would have enjoyed it, but I think when I heard all this Vinegar Syndrome stuff and then I saw, oh, hey, you know, I still have the Showtime streaming and that's on there, I'm like, I can kind of just watch this and get it watched and then I'm, I can be part of the conversation, right? Um, like I talked to anybody but you or anybody. <laughs> anyway, um, like we're not supposed to talk to people anymore, right? Um <laughs> So, so, so uh, yeah, so I didn't go into it with some big... Ex- but I was like, okay, this got a release, and it's, it's got kind of a funny premise, and I remember uh, Jay Cheel talking about it on, on Film Junk. So uh, I thought, I'll check it out and see. And um, I think, uh, like, like what you were saying about, like, with certain kinds of horror movies or certain things that fall into a certain realm, um, I, I can have a little bit of nostalgia about stuff like that to a degree, and I can kind of enjoy the absurdity in places but uh, i think legitimately like i try not to be the kind of guy that falls too far into like liking things ironically like <laughs> yeah. you know so so so, so I, I i i'd say i i enjoyed some of the humor in it because it did have some ridiculous moments i did chuckle two or three good times you liked bernie um, uh, Ber- Bernie, Bernie was was amusing. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, it really is just 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 a pre a proto sci fi original movie, but like with a sense of fun and absurdity. But I think the problem for me in these uh, with these movies is that if they is that sometimes maybe it's budget or whatever, they just they get kind of tedious for lack of a better word. And then it's like, I don't care about this party sequence or this isn't interesting to me or where is this going? And I, once I start feeling like I'm not engaged by it, you know, like it loses its momentum. And I feel like that's what happened with, with Tammy and the T-Rex. Like it means there's some setup and that takes a little bit longer maybe than it should. Cause it has to be like, okay, there's this girl and there's this guy and they like each other, but she's got a crazy boyfriend. And that's yeah. kind of fun. That, that was all kind of funny. Cause it's overplayed. Yeah. Big. The boyfriend is yeah. <laughs> a caricature the cr- cr- criminal and stuff. And that's, that's, that, that was funny. And then, you know, the guy gets, gets uh, half eaten by a lion or something like that. was kind of ridiculous <laughs> and cool. And then they're going to put his brain in a, in a robot dinosaur and so like yeah that's all yeah. like great but then once that sort of sort of happens then it seems like they kind of back away from like any momentum about well where's the story gonna go now and it's like i couldn't i mean i don't know it kind of just sort of tuned out a bit in the middle like there like i said there's a it's the girl and her friend at like a party with other people and then the dinosaur escapes and sort of starts to figure out like how to you know interact or communicate to some degree and there's i don't know i feel like it's just i think i just have to admit that yeah i like certain kinds of horror and i like certain kinds of absurd comedy schlock type stuff but some of it just doesn't 
doesn't work for me. Just to, like I don't care about the two henchmen and you know like the pizza or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't know. It's like, <laughs> the it's pizza. Like, I forgot about you, that. Yeah. You got a you got a you got a dinosaur here and like I don't know. Oh, like, that was Pedro. <laughs> Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, the pizza man. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> there, I just kind of. I thought it was funny. Like, I just got enough chuckles either at Bernie's, like, maniacal laughs or at just the sheer absurdity of what what that story is and the acting between uh, (laughs) uh, Denise Richards and an animatronic T-Rex that has the brain of Paul Walker in it. Um, but they 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 don't really connect Tammy to the T Rex for kind of a while. Like that's almost third act, I guess. And then it then takes a while. Find, yeah. Then they're trying to find another body for him, and that's kind of funny. Like I I think like I said I think the the setup and the conclusion were amusing, and there was a bit few bits of amusement in between. But like to me, that middle just kind of sagged. And I think we should admit this now, since I didn't purchase it on Vinegar Syndrome at like in a high end boutique physical media i don't have that um maybe that purchase bias that, <laughs> that oh. makes you want to like it a little bit more oh i don't think i ha- i don't think i ha- i have to justify that i buy plenty of things and way well, over sure. way way more than i should to watch something once and i i okay. this is actually more of a win uh i have no but qual- this is in the I, have no, bin, I have no qualms no 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 I, i'll buy i'll buy something that's an absolute piece of garbage on 4k just to watch it and then never watch it again and you know i don't have buyer's remorse but this is one of those cases where i will take the i will i will get whatever uh value i need for myself out of it and it happened to just be the comedic beats and just how absurd this was almost in a i hate the cliche but the so bad it's good kind of um, thing um but I, I don't know. I'm struggling for a, a good example. Like I, no, no. I, I understand. I, I, I got all that too. I just think, like I said, I. Think I mean, it was, I, just, it was just the it was just the sagging middle, and it just started to feel. Once a movie feels longer than it is, and that kind of sucks. I mean, who knows? It could. I, I think. I, to me, I have to admit that it was kind of a chore for me. Like I was like, I put it on, and I'm just really? trying to sort it. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed parts of it, but it probably would have been a much funner watch with some friends. You know, I mean, me. like I, I paid like twenty right bucks to get it, chapter two, knowing uh, on four K UHD, knowing oh, wow. knowing that nobody seemed to like it, and. Um, and it, it is, it is a mess. Like it was so terrible. Um, oh, wow. I, I, and, and I, I have no, I have no problem like rating something a two or a one and a half or worse, uh, regardless of how much I paid for it. If something's a piece of shit, it's a piece of shit. Well, that's good. That's, 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 that's good. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have tons of garbage in my collection that I, I actually just, uh, I sold a bunch of stuff for the first time ever. I kind of purged some of my juicing titles that uh not not i mean i guess i had always kind of said like once i start getting space and real estate problems uh i will have to sell off some of the fat um right and i had to make some of those decisions like two weeks ago and i was just like i was like i need to just sell off this fat maybe i'll have enough to pick up a few of the things that are more on my mind i didn't have any of the star trek new next generation ones and i was just like i'll just sell off all this crap 
and hopefully have enough credit to use towards something I will watch. And I sold off like, I don't know, 15 or 20 titles of just stuff that um, was either from the bargain bin long ago and was just garbage. (laughs) But I have no problem getting rid of that stuff or calling it what it is. I agree when something's two dollars, I'll buy it regardless. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't. But I mean, I, I've had stories both ways of like where something I had never heard of, which was VOD or whatever, and it was dollar ninety five. Those those are kind of good because you go in with no expectation, no commitment, no buyers, uh, right? Whatever you called it. Um, and some are actually surprisingly good, and some are garbage. Like. I, I got, um, I found, um, I think it's Steven Soderbergh's first film. It's called Bubble or Booble. Uh, and it was like, like, I had no idea what this was. Wait, was, he did a movie called Bubble, but that was n- not his first. So maybe it's something his else. First, well, it was, you can tell it's early. It's, it's, a, okay, it's yeah. a bit older, but uh, I guess my point is like something that I had no idea even existed, um, yeah. and had no, you know. Uh, another one I, I really liked uh, I think it was In the Valley of Ela or something like that Tommy Lee Jones and right, yeah, I think yeah, Casey war movie right yeah and I had no idea what it was going into it and I was like wow this is like way better than I thought I think State of Play is maybe another one that's like a big story about you know politics and um, yeah I think corruption those- and stuff I like all these things I'd never even heard of. I'll find in a bargain bin for two bucks, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually a pretty good movie." Yeah, I think that's. Be- I think that, the, like I said, the dynamic of of cinemas and stuff has changed to the point where there are the quote unquote VOD bargain bin stuff. Well, that's where you it's, start has, buying. Has, has, has been elevated to a degree as well, or you know, it's it's been the 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 lesser quality has been reverse diluted <laughs> because they've been infusing it with movies that are still being made that are these like political thriller type things that used to you know something like clear and present danger came out to a bunch of theaters and people watched it and it was like a blockbuster or i don't know how well it did but it probably did pretty well harrison ford yeah that movie that same exact movie with that same exact premise and probably that same exact like you know scope and everything else would be like you said on the level of something like a state and play or just another movie that maybe got a limited release and then just ends up in the bargain bin because people are more interested in in different kind of stuff now i feel like certain genres have always kind of lent themselves to either being um popular or not i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know it's, it's weird it's like where it's it's where if there's a nugget of anything like whether it's a director I've seen do something good or an actor or whatever or like it's picking outside of genre of like I will give this a shot because of you know this one little right. loose connection. And that's that's a good. I mean, like I my my metrics are that or the Price is Right. Yeah, my my metrics to try to figure out when to j- jump into something t- totally blind. Are pretty much the same, but um, oh, here, like, I'm, here, I, I'm turning to a lot more streaming stuff, and I, I haven't started paying too much attention to what Netflix says I like versus won't like. But I think I'm, I, I, I'm, I've decided. I think that uh, something has to be like using Letterbox lingo or whatever. 
since they forced you to be thumbs up or thumbs down, like something has to be like a three and a half with a heart on letterbox to be a thumbs up. Yeah. And three, yeah, three and that. a half, three and a half with no heart. It's like, yeah, it was good, that but I didn't love it. Here's a thumbs grade. down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to be, I don't want them telling me every single crime documentary. So Ted Kaczynski gets a thumb down, you know, I don't want to like really screw the metrics up. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, oh, so that's how I do that. Another more recent one, I think that I rated a three point five with a heart was another bargain bin that I got from that same sale I'm referring to, and that's uh, it was a comedy from the '90s. From uh, it's got Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas as these. I'll uh, play it to the bone. Yes, yeah. and it. I saw well, you review that. I had never seen it before, and it is funny. It has some very funny moments. So is that the one with James Woods? Is he in that too? No, there was like two, no, that's, two of these nineties that's, comedy that's the one, boxing. Things. That's Digstown with your boy Louis right. Gossett. The yes, second. Um, but no, Play to the Bone was funny, and it it was like comedy before. <laughs> it it was kind of refreshing just for how old school it was in terms of like. Things that they could say that weren't a big deal in the '90s that pre-woke woke huh? social justice warriors would would <laughs> crucify that movie today, just like the things that they do um, and say and <laughs> show right. in that movie. But it, it, it was actually pretty entertaining. There were some very legit funny moments, and it has Tom Sizemore, which. I, I, you and I are on the same page with my rule of Tom Sizemore added to anything is like he is the condiment that can make a meal uh, that much <laughs> that much better uh, if you just add the right amount of them and um, yes he's in that as well as a as a promoter or something but I don't know it was good I, I I've had a decent batting average with the the bargain bin uh, recently That's, yeah like I said I think I think it's um... Yeah, I mean, that's the way it is. It means they keep having new formats, then the Blu-rays get cheap, and then whatever. And so it's like, that's not so bad, you know? Yeah, you just gotta I, be I mean, patient. That's what I, do. I, I scroll, I troll Amazon on Saturday night when I'm kind of half bored and accumulate things. And usually there's a lot of good stuff that's, you know, fairly, fairly cheap. Um, then every now and again, there's the frustrating, like, how come that doesn't exist anymore? How come I can't find, like I said, I mentioned, I asked you about the Ridley Scott movie, The Duelist. I just want to watch it again. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I even care about owning it. I, I would probably watch it two or three times in my whole life at this point. I could see wanting to see it a second time after seeing it again. But I also remember it being kind of dull too, but also kind of cool and Ridley Scott and it's got the period setting. and That's a, and all that's that. a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Sunday exactly. afternoon Ian movie. Uh, exactly. Uh, and that's what I would wa- watch it for. Yeah, but in but the, you said in it's the, out of print, in the, right? In the spring. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's out of print. So I don't know why that one doesn't have any traction. It must be one of those uh, distribution fall-offs, yeah. like Apocalypto. Another of those yeah. weird stories of how something probably got acquired and just isn't something that somebody wants to push. But I don't know. It, it's Ridley Scott. I'm sure it'll probably make a comeback. If it, yeah, and that's, if that's it didn't have that too. prestige uh, of the director. Because, I mean... Uh, I can't remember. Who is it? Is it one of the Fondas? Is that the main character? Carradine. Carradine, yes. Carradine and Harvey Keitel. I think it's Keith Keith Carradine or something who kind of had... He was kind of a guy for a couple of movies in that window of time. Yeah. But never really became like a big star, I don't think. No, no. But Keitel was such a dick in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hilariously, yeah. (laughs) 
That's all I remember yeah. about it. That's all I remember too. I remember that, <laughs> and then I remember it's Ridley Scott, and it's got this kind of cool period, like because it's like Napoleonic Wars or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, I kind of just want to as a period watch it piece. Again. It's very yeah. well done. It's very yeah. very lending. Yeah, I want to just see like a, a proper you know, scoundrel tale. Yeah, you know, because I mean. I think my big thing recently, um, not that as recently because I've been watching more recent movies recently, but um, for a while there I was into like a lot of the 70s stuff and just looking at movies when movies were more like movies, for lack of a better <laughs> defining something based on itself, on, to- on inside of itself or something, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. I could almost I could almost see myself doing like a a little photo photo thing where I just focus on like Coke machines in the background of movies in the 70s. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Which sounds like a real weird thing to think about, but like just the just the look and the aesthetics and 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 the design and the layout of like diners and stuff like that um, was something I find I find kind of interesting. Or I don't know. Maybe I've got some kind of weird unlived nostalgia for it. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah. So, was there anything else you wanted to hit on? Like I said, we. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm always behind on all the big popular shows. I haven't watched much Mandalorian. I haven't watched much Watchmen. I, I'm rewatching Legion right now because it's all oh, on good. Hulu, and I'm enjoying that. Legion, just- yeah, I was a big supporter of Legion, and I would. It's funny you mentioned Watchmen too. I feel like, as far as TV shows go, Watchmen might be the best TV show that W. That the DC DC has ever done, like oh, cool. that show was great, and I would say Legion in the same respect. Even though it feels nothing like Marvel or right. or nothing like X Men or whatever, it is crazy uh, yeah. in what it does, uh, what well, it accomplishes I, I, from a I comic didn't... book standpoint of breaking all those rules, and it's yeah. and because of those things, it is not that algorithm bullshit. It is like what a proper nerd like yourself would appreciate is Legion and Watchmen and the things that they do in right. a comic booky story. Right? That's, that's pretty much where I've been at with both of them. I haven't actually seen the third season of Legion. So when I say rewatch, I mean rewatch seasons one and two and then actually watch the third season. Because, um, I don't know, I think I thought I had it record. It was recording it, but it didn't record. I know I, I always have problems with recorders, too. Like, the, the season two finale cut off, like, two minutes before the end of Legion. And so I'm, like, recording. still, like... What, what, are you, what are you doing? Setting VCRs? What are you talking No, well, I mean, you're using the DVR for the t- cable or whatever. Ugh. You know, when it's on a... You yeah, I know. still have cable? You don't have... You Wi-Fi out there in the woods? Yeah, we got it all. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's good, but... but um. Like, you know, so I'm just gonna watch it on, on Hulu, and I'll get into Watchmen again here Wait, pretty soon. So, and then when you then say Westworld, back, I'm excited when you, about Westworld. When you say back into Watchmen, what you? St- oh, I watched the first. I, I watched the first two one night, and then yeah, I just. Oh, kinda, it really picks up the second I'm half sure. of Watchmen. Like, there's two episodes <clears throat> that are like they're like they're unlike anything you've probably ever seen. Like it's well, no, and I'm sold. I'm sold from what the film junk guys have said. I'm sold from the like all bangers Trent Reznor score. Um, yeah, I'm into it. Um, uh, in, in terms of we'll, we'll see, and I, I'm kind of I, I have confidence. You know, I trust I trust you. I trust Jay and Frank and those guys. You know, you know, uh, you guys have good taste. So, so at the very least, uh, I try not to let it you know build build up to to, to you know to a disappointment level. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I'm like excited to, to it, actually go in. And then when something's like that, I won't force feed it. It won't be an elliptical show. It won't be, yeah. you know, it's like sit I'm actually going to like sit down yeah. and pay attention. And so if I know I'm not going to adequately really be able to do that, then I kind of delay on doing that. It's sometimes. very like Lindelof treats that very much like like we were just talking about Nolan and how he tackles big subject matter. Those two episodes that I'm referring to are very... One feels very Inception, and the other one feels very Memento. Um, oh, cool! And Good. like, the, it, and there's like, there's twists, there's cool, um, I don't know, social commentary and stuff that that the first that the original, you know, graphic yeah. graphic novel touched on, and it's just. It, I feel like what it does that's so well, like I know you and I have talked about this in terms of like modern movies coming out based on source material from the 80s, whether right. whether it be comics or movies or whatever, the same way that um, like it plays on that same universe and it feels right. It feels appropriately positioned. Um, sure. in every little thing it does. Um, so far, I haven't found like the social stuff to be too ham-fisted. I feel like it's good, you know? Like, it's it's appropriate and correct. And like you said, uh, so this, in those first two episodes, like, I mean, you know, I'm... I'm definitely I'm definitely there, you know? I'm and following I, this I, character, and I'm okay with it, and it doesn't feel like it's trying to check off a bunch of butt boxes for, you know, wokeness or anything. Yeah. <laughs> also, I would recommend once you're done with Watchmen, not that this is like a requirement or anything, but if you want to add a cherry on top, listen to Lindelof's Watchmen podcast. Like he, like when that show was airing, like he would do a HBO, basically the guy who directed Chernobyl, I can't right. remember, I can't remember his name. But he was the host because he was a big Watchmen fan. So it's Craig, like, was it Craig Craig Mazin, the guy who was one of the guys that does the that script sounds, writer? That sounds. The, he was the creator and main writer on Chernobyl. I don't know if he directed any I of think, them. But. I think that name sounds right, but it's yeah. basically the Chernobyl guy and Lindelof. There's like six. I'll watch it. And, I mean, is it just something I can download it, somewhere? Is yeah, it yeah. Easy? It, I mean, it's it was like the HBO released podcast. Right. So, but it's but it's just them talking and they. They, he talks all about writer room stuff and why this is that. And if you didn't really pick up on something, um, you know. Oh, I'll, def- I'll definitely listen to it. And I, and I know Lindelof's divisive, as you and I have talked to. Absolutely. Link, I, links about. And this, uh, it kind of does bridge some stuff. And even those little things that you might not have ca- caught on your first watch, like, it, it, it's crazy how dense uh, Watchmen is. Or was. No, no, I, I have to kind of, I, I mean, I've had problems with Lindelof in the past, but I think, I mean, ultimately just in listening to him on podcasts and, and things and seeing the, the, the content that he has done, I've always kind of landed in his, ultimately kind of landed in his corner. I think I, think I listened to his commentary on Prometheus, um, and I remember a podcast where he, he really did kind of like... Um, lay out like almost an apologia about the lost situation you know it was like you know here i am i'm thrown into this marathon and like i we don't know where we're going and people are at you know it was a new situation for them to have to resolve and figure out and so i i mean i i i wouldn't begrudge him too much for any disappointments that ultimately were resulted in that show because it did have a lot of innovation and it was you know, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and the same probably for the leftovers, whereby then you're kind of just know, okay, this is going to be 
an interesting journey, but it might not be all that satisfying of a conclusion or who cares, but whatever. Oh yeah. Legion, uh, I don't think sticks the landing as well as Watchmen does, but Legion is still like a crazy, you know, yeah, a crazy world building shit happened in that. And that's, what's fun about that show. Season three was my least favorite, but it does kind of end. Uh, and it's, it's very different from the first two seasons. So, okay. Well then I'm excited for, for, to see that because, um, I feel like, yeah, the, the, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm enjoying rewatching season one so far and just because I think like a good show is the bad shows. Almost all shows are plot driven, but the bad shows are like so hinging on that to keep viewership. And a good show kind of can veer off or be more take, uh, abs- absurd. Take or chances, strange. yeah, yeah. Take chances or just just focus on doing a good episode, you know, that contains elements. I mean, so it can still be plot driven, but like within that episode, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Oh yeah, and stuff happens with characters, and so like that's the two. Wa- it seems like the two. Wa- that, that, the, the Watchmen's, yeah. Based on what I heard from Frank and Jay talking about, it, it sounds like they're kind of just self-contained good episodes. They, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was just about to say you used the word self-contained. They are very much like they feel like bottle episodes because they're nothing like the ones that are before them or after them, but they are amazing because they do kind of progress the bigger through line or whatever, but they also feel like very detached bottle episodes, but, um, which is fine. They're amazing. They're amazing. So they're worth it. Um, I'm definitely down to check that out. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, were you, did you chime in on this, the outsider show on H another HBO show? Cause I got a sense that that might be kind of a dark detective E kind of thing with maybe something supernatural, but it sounds like everyone's kind of mad about it. I was mad. It starts strong. Like the first two episodes are very good, but then it just, it just falls off a cliff as far as I'm concerned in terms of oh, okay. what's interesting. And it gets into the, I don't know. I mean, all the characters and stuff. Like, I was just... Like, there's two, like, very interesting characters. Um, right. But, like, it... this Knowing Stephen King, like, I was just like, there's no way this is going to end in a way that is satisfying. So I just bailed after, like, episode five or whatever. Oh, so you haven't seen the ending. I no, just, It kind no. of drags in the middle and then kind of gets crazy at the end. So I don't know if that's a good crazy or a bad crazy. I've just got better things to do than wait for a drag, so... Uh, I hear that. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, give me the cl- <laughs> got, Cliff's you, Notes you got- might is the only thing that would probably earn me back. But, yeah, I don't... I, I don't when I hear something like that uh, I just yeah. kind of I'm just like nope bye I got I, there's plenty of good stuff out there nobody should complain there is, yeah. like there's there's no content there's always something worth watching so I know don't I mean, it is d- tough don't power through garbage just to power just to because you want to be a completionist you know no, I, I generally don't I mean I um though sometimes I kind of don't mind the slower stuff in certain places if, if I'm enjoying something about it. But like I said, if it's mediocre, it's mediocre. Yeah. So I probably, I, like I said, I think I'll turn it into an elliptical show and maybe, if, you know, at least the HBO shows are pretty fun. I was just about to say, like, like, that's where you put your garbage. You put your garbage in your workout, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, playlist or whatever. Like, I've been rewatching the, um, uh, or not rewatching, watching for the first time the, um, blood, blood, uh, shit. Uh, True Blood? No, uh, the Vampire Girl, um, Underworld. Is that her? Oh, Un- right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those movies? I almost, yeah. Complete garbage. 
And I'm just like, but it's like, I, I'm not really paying attention. I'm usually like listening to a podcast while I watch something. Oh my gosh. On mute. That's too much. That's too much, Jeff. Then you're not doing anything I've, at all. I right? visually I mean, come need, on. no, I need something for my eyes uh, while okay. I'm, that isn't like watching how many miles I'm at or whatever. So it serves oh, right. a purpose. But that's I see. that's what you do with garbage right there. Pro tip. I guess. Or you could or you could just put on like Baraka or something and have pretty visuals to look at while you're listening to a podcast. Planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah, Planet Earth. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah. But hey, whatever works for you. Yeah. Far be it for me. I mean my biggest worst thing in terms of being like guilty, I mean we're all guilty of probably looking at our phones in the middle of shit and stuff, is I I pause like crazy. I don't know why. I, I I mean, sometimes I go do something else real quick, or I want to take care of something. But like, that's my it, that's it, my litmus test for stuff. If something feels pause worthy, if I have to go take a leak, then it's good. If it's not, then no pause is needed. Period. Right. So, so it took me it took me like five hours to watch The Dark Knight last night, and I'm like, where did all that time go? Like, I I paused it, and I went and made a quesadilla because I was a little peckish, and then I went and I tried to you know do something on the computer real quick because I wanted to load up a podcast onto my phone. Plus, you're taking all those screen grabs. You got to be pausing all the time. That's not what I mean by pause worthy, but yeah. yeah. But Dark Knight definitely pause worthy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. 